We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Today, we're talking UFC. If you guys don't know, there's a big UFC pay-per-view coming up this weekend. UFC 270 and Ganu versus Gan. Amazing heavyweight matchup. We'll be breaking down that. And Ganu says he wants to box Tyson Fury. We got to talk about all of this. Is he distracted? We'll get to all that later on in the show. We also have an interview. UFC... One of the young guns from the UFC, Kay Hansen, is joining our show, only 22 years old. Made her UFC debut at 21. So it's amazing that she already has several fights in a promotion being this young. We're going to talk to her about her upcoming fight this weekend as well. But Dre, we have to start off. We have to let the people know. We told them at the end of last show, last show was two hours long. So if people didn't get there, they didn't hear this. We are doing the first ever Corner Rumble viewing party for Royal Rumble. That's Saturday, January 29th. We'll be watching the Rumble live on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow us at Corner Podcast underscore on there. We'll have the entire live stream. You guys may have seen our live stream for Survivor Series. We're switching it up this time, though. We are hosting our own Rumble-style guest entrance into here. And five minutes per guest. We're going to have the countdown clock. It's going to be fun. You guys will watch along with us as well, seeing all these guests pop in and out. If you want to be a part of it, you know, we, we have a couple slots for listeners. So if you guys want to be part of the Corner Rumble, it is going to be really fun. Between now and Friday, which Friday I believe is the 20th, you guys can hit us up on Twitter at Corner Podcast underscore. Drop your name. Drop, you know, Tell us you're going to DM us. You got to follow us, obviously. And drop your name, phone number, and email address into our DMs on the Corner Podcast account. We'll be selecting five people to join the Corner Rumble, popping in and out. We're going to find some way to randomize this so we have a winner and a last person standing in the Rumble. So we'll have a guest. It may be you if you're one of the callers in, but it's going to be so fun. Great way to have people eliminated after their time on as a guest. Everything here is going off. Amazing shout out to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios for making it happen. 
Dre, I'm excited for this. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I think so. I mean. Can I eliminate Dre? Like, where if we enter the Rumble in a tag team, can I turn I haven't on even him? said any goddamn words. You're already talking about eliminating <laughs> me. Listen, man, if anybody's going to get eliminated, it's you and your hot takes. You're still getting heat from this whole Pleasure P thing and humping furniture. Now, okay, um, so I never said that I did this, but you now never said it's that like, you didn't. Listen, listen. If <laughs> I walk, listen. If I if I walk into a room, if I'm getting interrogated, and it was like, did you molest that little boy? And I go, well, you know, um, you know, it's it's complicated, but I pro- I did it. So when we asked you about Ottoman, why, why or any other so type sad? of living room furniture? So why didn't you just say no from the jump? No, because there's it's a very complicated. No, question. it's not. It's not. <laughs> Did you molest the furniture? <laughs> no. no. And we're out. That's it. Instead, you was like, it's very, com- there's nothing complicated because you they, clearly you humped something. Something got humped. If uh, Listen, I cannot, I cannot deny that. Now, where, where was, was air humping going on during Pretty Ricky Records? Quite possibly. But Quite I was possibly? Not humping furniture. Okay. So there's, there's furniture in close proximity. Furniture may have been around. Right. So because of that, I, I, you can be eliminated from this, <laughs> from this Royal Rumble. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like... You're yeah, going to you try gotta, to Santino Morelli me? The three-second elimination? Yeah, Jerry the King Lawler. Like, we'll, we'll find a way to quickly get rid of you. But I, this is exciting. It'll be fun. We'll have a bunch of people come in. We'll have some special guests. We'll have people from the industry. We might have some wrestlers on here. Um, all watching the Rumble. It'll be funny to see when certain people come in to have the conversation, like what's going on oh. at that time. Because if you come in at the right time and like we're in the middle of like the Brock and Bobby match or the Roman Seth match or we're in the middle of towards the end of the Rumble, you can converse with us about what the hell's going on. Yeah. Or if we're in that really dead period of the Rumble where there's like eight guys that are in the corner and there's always somebody standing on somebody's neck <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy's looking up, you can see him mouthing like, <laughs> if that's going on, we could just have a conversation about anything. It is your time to have a conversation with us for five minutes about the Royal Rumble. Fans, friends, uh, special guests. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I, I keep saying it's going to be fun, but... Nah, man, I'm looking forward to it, it. I'll tell you what. It's better than me sitting at home by myself watching the Royal Rumble. Yes. And then just being mad. Sober. At home. Watching the Royal yeah. Rumble. Because <laughs> yeah. so, you can't drink. That's, oh, that just sounds horrible. Yeah, I don't. No, I need need friends. I I need a support group. Can't wait for this to happen. Um, The brainchild of producer Cole Bebe really sat down over Christmas break. He's an odd one. Went home over Christmas break and he thought this all up. Like, I just picture him like a mad scientist, like chilling at home with like his parents. They're like, Cole, the food's ready. He's like, Ma, hold on. And he's just scribbling crazy (laughs) on on a chalkboard. I feel like Cole's that guy who still has like a chalkboard. Not dry erase. He keeps it keeps it old school. So no, it's it's great. Can't wait for that to happen. Again, make sure you guys drop your name, phone number, email address into our DMs at Corner Podcast underscore. Uh, by Friday the twenty first, I'll cut it off Friday night at midnight Pacific time, just so we give Cole a heads up. We can really start structuring everything together. And then yeah, then it's go time. The following Saturday, it's pay per views on a Saturday, not a Sunday. Following Saturday, January 29th, we'll be in here doing the watch party. Man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. I got I to gotta figure out what food I'm bringing this time. Last time we had pizza and wings. This time I got to figure out some dope to bring into the studio. I, I don't know what... I mean, pizza and wings are pretty classic. Yeah, right? it's just kind of dirty. Um, 
we we should also mention that after the Royal Rumble, it would be kind of like a post show as well. Oh you know, yeah, we're we'll oh, sticking about, around. Yeah, talking about the, the crap that just happened. So it'll be a live show. I, I'm assuming that it'll come out in podcast format. So you yes, guys can yes, we listen will. to this nonsense that we're going to be. This will be a bunch of gibberish and uh, foolishness. But after the Royal Rumble, you know, hopefully that we don't. Whoever's pointing at, yeah, that's what we got to do at the end of this. We got to point at the sign. Oh, we do have to point at. I don't care. Like what happens? <laughs> we got to point at the sign. And, <laughs> Always got to exit with the point. <laughs> Yo, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, did you win? It doesn't even matter if I get the title opportunity at the WrestleMania. I just want to point at the sign. That's all. We'll That's make all sure this happens. I want to point at the sign, and then I want pyro. <laughs> and then like, everybody goes, woo. You got to point like Ronda did. Just real fierce, though. Yeah. And your arm shakes and quivers a little bit. Yeah, you got to do the Ronda Rousey point. point. Anyway. Um, nah, man, I can't, can't wait for that. So we appreciate everyone. Um, in advance for watching along with us, for being a part of this, for the people who dropped their name in and want to chill with us. It's going to be great. It's, I'm not promising that the Royal Rumble is going to be great. It probably upsets us. But the show and the watch along and everything will be great. So no matter what, we're going to have fun that Saturday night. Outside of that, Dre, before we get to UFC and everything else, another music opening segment. And this is because two things were announced. The first, the Grammys are coming to Vegas. Are you still not covering? No. Why? I've done this. Been there, done that. Not in Vegas. Yeah, I don't care. For what? They're boring. Award shows are boring. Boring. How long does this go? They, they're like three, four hours of boring. Because you got to think about it. When I covered the Grammys, whatever year that was, uh, and I worked for the Grammys that year, as their live official blogger, and I got to sit in the pit with all these, like, rabid fans, like, when Rihanna came out, which was really cool. I got to see Prince right before he passed away. There's commercial breaks. And then it's like, what do you do? I'm bored. Oh, there's a bunch of categories that I don't care about. I'm bored. Grammys are boring. Award shows are boring. I've covered Billboard, AMAs, Grammys, BET Awards. The HUD one that you and AJ Ozone Awards, <laughs> which was fun because it was like... It, you know, like, think of, I think that's when Slim Thug got in a fight with, like, Mike Jones backstage. It was crazy. <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. But Grammys are boring. And, you know, they can come to Vegas all they want. I do it from home. It's boring. And I'm not going to. No, I don't care. Boring. I cover it at all. No thanks. What if I tell you you'd be able to drink around this time? April 3rd. I could do that at home. It's a toss-up. The last time, I, the only, the best thing about the Grammys was the, the post-Grammy, the official Grammy party. I think, like, I can't remember who performed. I don't remember. But they had, like, top shelf liquor and food. And, like, everybody was dressed up. It was, like, there was other Grammy parties I didn't go to because I just chose this. Because I was, like, when am I going to get to go to the official Grammy party? Yeah. So I went to that, and the liquor was amazing. And the food was amazing. I didn't even think about the parties. Those are going to be crazy out here. Yeah. Like, Dre's is going to have their own party. They're going to have private parties, like you said. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not getting COVID. No, yeah, it's not COVID-worthy. No. No, no. Not very few things are COVID worthy, and plus, yeah, I'm I'll a, tell you this: I am I might be four times vaxxed by the time this comes up. But the other thing announced is in October, it's the When We Were Young Festival here in Vegas, and that's all over my timeline. It's I'll give you this rundown, and I didn't even send it to you, so I was like, "Yo, I just got to say it on the show." The inner emo Kel from like. 2003, did backflips when this was announced. It's all emo rock. 
Well, some regular bands, but mostly My Chemical Romance, Paramore. That's all I want to see is Paramore. Right off the jump, I love. The, I've never seen Paramore live, so Me I want to see Paramore. That's gonna be. Incredible. But I'm not going to a festival to see it. I'll be watching that shit somewhere. Else. Taking Back Sunday is on here. Avril Lavigne, which I mean, I want to see Avril. She better old, dress this. How too. old is Avril Lavigne now? That's what I'm saying. Is she going to still dress? She's like my age. I still I like wear DCs. Old. She can still wear a oh, tie. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. right? Like, keep, <laughs> keep moving. I didn't think we are going to go there. Baggy pants and a tie. Like, I feel like she can still do that. Um, Jimmy Eat World. Thursday is on here. Hawthorne Heights. Which people sleep on Hawthorne Heights. Sets His Fail is on here, which is like really like a soundtrack to half of my friend's high school experience. That's, that was a little too emo. But I appreciate he says it's fail. Still, um, All American Rejects on here, AFI, The Used, uh, Dashboard Confessional, crazy lineup. One day festival wow. here in Vegas, not multiple days. It's here, here. Oh, festival games. Okay, yeah, Jimmy World, Bring Me the Horizon. I am so hyped about this festival to the point they had the pre-sale list. Everyone's like going crazy. I signed up for it. It's two fifty a ticket for a one day festival, and not on buy tickets. Then I was like, "Yo, I might just buy tickets and then just sell them if I have to sell them if I can get like a press credential." But I this is one of those where we've had what was day in Vegas, crazy festival, um, whatever the joint is downtown that they have every year. Great lineup. Usually we go. We didn't go this year. Um, we have all of those things. I'm more hyped for this than the hip hop concert. And the hip hop festivals like are stacked out here. Yeah. There's something special about rock music, especially like the inner emo. You were a little older than me. Did yeah. you get into the emo phase? Or do you like, are you like also a rock music curmudgeon? No, no, no. Like, as I look at Cole in the producer booth, and I feel like Cole is like, Cole's not old, but I feel like he's also a rock music curmudgeon. Like we talked to Cole extensively about the Beatles one day. Yeah. And he's like a huge Beatles guy. I'm like, Cole, you're like super young. How the hell do you get into Beatles and know every song? No, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, let's see, 2003-ish, I was really underground hip hop at the time, like super mega. Like I hated everything on the radio in terms of rap music. But like, again, Paramore is a special place in my heart. It's Paramore is great. Black people love Paramore. Paramore is great. Like Paramore is always great. But see, like for me, my my era of rock music that I dug was like, first of all, it was like late eighties rock hair bands. <laughs> I, just I, I can't knock that. I, I was just into that. Shit. I like hair bands. Um, but then I was like big on Pearl Jam. Like I was big. Eddie Vedder's still incredible. Um, but Pearl Jam, and then like that that whole era. So so, so like eighties, early nineties. Eight, but I never stopped listening to rock music. Right, like I've always liked Guns N' Roses. Like through yeah. like November rain, Guns N' Roses. But then I I love System of a Down. Love System of a Down. Top City is incredible. Yeah. Top Suey is incredible. Um, but at, at around this time, it was I would pick and choose certain bands because the main thing was it was like I would see these teen movies and then I hear those songs. I was like, ah, right, let me go find those songs. That's the way to go. That's why my introduction to all of these bands came through American Pie movies. Yeah. Or like you know teen movies like you said, Can't Hardly Wait, all this stuff. Or video games. Oh, yeah. Tony, uh, Tony Hawk was like the catalyst for so many people to be opened up to different music. Yeah, Tony Hawk, Aggressive Inline is a game I played all the time back in the day. Um, the MLB games. Yes. 
their soundtracks were incredible. Like MOB 06 actually has, and I My Chemical Romance is in MOB 06, I believe. Yeah, the title track is 05. The title track of 05 on there is All American Rejects, Swing Swing. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I played that out because yeah. of the MLB soundtrack. So, yeah, I mean, all of this stuff, it's crazy that, like, I guess growing up during my generation, it wasn't unheard of to listen to rock music. But I wasn't, like, a, you know, the black, like, rock and roll kid necessarily. Right. Like, every school got that kid, right? Like, the black kid who shops at Hot Topic. My daughter is now that kid. Like, my middle daughter. Like, she, uh, she's more anime-ish. But I think that's, like, their thing now. But yeah, like she shops at Hot Topic and stuff. Like every school has that person. I wasn't that guy. Right. But I was a cool guy who listened to like rap mixtapes, like, you know, just like crazy New York scene mixtapes and everything. And then on the other end, rock music, they're like all over the spectrum. So I like listened to like Annie Flag and people were like early 2000s and um, Tsunami Bomb and like crazy rock cuts for like emo kids um, and just angsty. Young, young teens back then. So I, I listened to all this because my friends listened to all this. And I'd go back to New York. And people look at me like I'm the weirdest guy. In the world. Like, yo, what the What are you listening to? Yeah. Like, oh, like Blink-182 just released, like, take off, you know, take off your pants and jacket. Like, no, I'm bumping this all day. And, like, you had the CD players that wouldn't skip. It was the first, like, generation skip-proof CD players. I could drum like Travis Barker and the shit wouldn't skip. Changed my life, man. So, no, nah, I can't, can't wait for this. We are always, always doing Mount Rushmore's here. So instead of doing uh, 2000s rock Mount Rushmore, which it kind of gets a little harder, even though, it, for the record, I listened to a ton of Linkin Park last night, too. That was, like, really good. <laughs> like, I was, I was that guy as well. Like, I was a ton of Linkin Park. I tried... So listen to uh, fuck Limp Biscuit last night. That does not age well. A lot, no. A lot of the super popular stuff doesn't age well. Nah, Limp Biscuit wasn't great. Um, corn is okay. I couldn't go back and like mess with corn. I I went through a rabbit hole last night when this was announced. I was like, yo, what is all the two thousands bands that I like? Went down a rabbit. Corn's not that great. Like, what about Creed? Nah, like <laughs> I mean. I make fun of Creed. What about I can Nickelback? Listen, I can listen to Creed ironically. What about Nickelback? Oh, I'm not a Nickelback. Cole, are you a Nickelback guy? I, yeah. <laughs> no, Cole, Cole is saying no. Uh, I'm just going off of the hair. I'm stereotyping Cole. I feel like he has perfect hair. Like if he wanted to just, oh yeah, just with the wind going. Yeah. Oh, Cole could be in a Creed concert. Like right now. Put him on stage. Just <laughs> the hair blowing in the wind. Yes. That is that is cold hair right now. See, see, look, when you, you, you talk about it uh, in terms of like in the 2000s, right? It was a little more acceptable to be a black person like rock music. Yeah. It was there. Like for me, I listened to Radiohead, right? Still listen to Radiohead. Radiohead is incredible. And all my friends were like, what the fuck are you doing? Right? <laughs> or like, and it's funny as, as things happen because Diddy sampled a lot of 80s bands. Tons. And then people would be like, that music's whack. And then they play the sample like, that music's incredible. Like me, I was big on Depeche Mode and Duran Duran. Oh, I'm a Wham guy. Like, oh, I mean, look, look, look. Wham, George Michael. <laughs> George you Michael. Like, you couldn't tell me that George Michael didn't have a black spirit in him somewhere. 
Love George White. And then he was progressive because then he came out, he was gay. And I was like, wait a second. I want your sex is about who? Yeah. Listen, got that man, George Michael and Prince are probably the two artists I regret not seeing live in my lifetime. So I'm, I was actually looking through my list. I said John Mayer. I like John Mayer. That's fair. Um, like me in high school, like the little like cheerleader, like because Vegas is a weird place, right? So there's like it's very... uh. Even beyond diverse, it's, like, very eclectic. So, like, even all the schools kind of had diversity when I was growing up. But, like, schools were very clicky. So, like, anyone who went to Foothill, whether you were white, black, Spanish, it didn't matter. Like, you were, all the girls loved John Mayer. Like, yes. at Foothill High School and, like, out in the burbs of Henderson. And then you go the bubs, burbs out of the way, like, by where Dre lives, Palo Verde, love John Mayer. So, like, de facto, I had to like John Mayer if I wanted to, like, party I'll give you that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. The Police, In Excess, Tears for Fears. So all that stuff I listened to when my friends were not around. Yeah, no, no. Because they come around and be like, yo, especially like mid-90s. So I had my my friends that were like super East Coast. Like, that's all we listened to was like Wu-Tang. We had a we had a crew called the Cheesaw Clan. <laughs> a bunch of, bunch of black dudes that like Kung Fu flicks. Like, we would force you in high school uh, when, if we played sports, we used to ride the bus with the team at a certain point. Like, Short story, me and my friend, three of my friends were really good at basketball, and we got cut. We tried out for the junior varsity team. Our, the coach said, you should try out for varsity. We all tried out for varsity, and then we were like, we're not going to play, so we're just going to go back down to JV. And the coach didn't like our attitude, so he cut us. And the team sucked. And in the locker room one day, the coach was like, I shouldn't have cut them. He told and then we, it came back to us. So from that point, we were like, we don't care. We're just a bunch of knuckleheads, so we just want to ride the bus to the games. So when we ride the bus to the games, we always, because they had TVs on the bus. Oh, y'all were fancy. It was, it was a raggedy was a, bus. That was a different Valley High School back then. They had a VHS in this particular bus. And we always bring Shaw Brothers flicks. And they, they, the team would get so mad at us. Because they're like, we're not watching the kid with the golden arms again. I'm like, I don't give a damn. We're watching the kid with the golden arms, and we're going to listen to Wu-Tang. Think about it. It's Vegas, super West Coast. It's like 1996, five. And like all these... And, Everybody listens to Tupac, and here we come with Wu-Tang Forever and Kid with the Golden Arms. It, like, <laughs> forced you to watch it. But we had a crew called the Cheesaw Clan, and we all had, like, rappers slash kung fu names. That makes sense. And we, we, had a, we had a car called Duke. It was the Dukes of Hazard because the doors wouldn't open. You had to jump in through the window, and we used to rob corner stores. We used to, like, do runs out of corner stores. What was your... Before you get too far, I, what was your rapper slash... I can't remember. Kung it, Fu Dave. It was... I can't remember. It was something stupid. <laughs> that I'm, It I'm wasn't sure even about. a real... Actually, it was... Because one of my friends, Recipes, Porsche, he called me Drader Skater, and they just became my name. Okay. Because they knew... This is what I was about to say. Because they knew I liked, like, rock music. They was like, Drader Skater. And <laughs> that, that would be me. So we used to have a car called Duke because the doors didn't open. And we used to jump in the window. We used to do runs out of liquor stores. We were young, so we still Boone's Farm. Like, what the fuck were we doing? We like still Boone's Farm and like an MD twenty twenty worst mix in the world. Should and we run that out, shit to you for free. We run out the store, and because the car would be moving, and we'd have to dive in through the window. It was like, it, and we used to make kung fu sounds, and we jump in through the window with a bottle of like Saint Ives Special Brew and Boone's Farm. That that was like our crew. So when I was with them, it was always Wu Tang, Nas. It, Jay wasn't even hot at the time like that. But that's it, Cool G rap. But then when I leave them, I'm playing Journey. 
and in excess and tears for fears. <laughs> Aha. And they, and they come over and be like, hey, man, Trader Skater, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, hey, I like my rock music. But you couldn't, it wasn't cool to be open with your eclectic taste in music back then. Now it, it was more acceptable because you had means to bring all that music together, yeah. like Tony Hawk. In like the late 90s, it was, your friends would be like, no, man, it's like West Coast rap. We, like, you can't even listen to East Coast rap. That's not cool because we're in the West Coast. But me? Nah, man. Stereo's album came out. Like, that's all I listened to was a bunch of other stuff. See, I hit high school. It was perfect because I was like a TRL kid. Like, so we I had... Hated TRL. And they staggered it. So TRL would go first. And then um, 106 and Park would be like the hour after. So I never had to choose. Like, I could watch TRL and like listen to all that stuff. And know about rock and pop. Like, but they still had some rock on TRL back then. And then it, it went down the, downhill fast. But I had that. And then 106 and Parks. So I was like, nah, I got like the best of both. And yeah, if people heard me like listen to rock. I'd be like, nah, like got it from this video game. And they'd just be like, all right, cool. Yeah. Or like, you know, I'll watch cheap movies all the time. I'm like, that movie's for me. And then like, they wouldn't like bother me about it. But even like, yeah, like late 90s, 97, 98. Shit, I mean, I just, granted, I'm not that old. So, but I just like really like dive into rock music because my uncle worked for like music labels all the time and they'd get like promo stuff. So he'd come home with promo stuff from all types of record labels. So I remember, it had to be like 97, came home with Rage Against the Machine. Ooh. And I was just like, yo, this shit is crazy. Like that was my intro to like, Current rock music. Like, I know the hits. Like, right. you, you run into the hits, like the 80s hair bands. Bro. But I was like, oh, this is what rock sounds like now? I was like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so, like, that, I remember Rage was crazy. I had Green Day. I think Dookie was around that time. Early Green Day. Yeah, early Green Day. So, he came home with, so, like, 97, 98. Yeah, I was the weird kid. Ran Lee, New York. Just rocked out. So, um. If we're doing Mount Rushmore, then. I don't have it. I'm not going to do it. Because I, I have to really think. Because of what era? I, Cole, get on the mic. I mean, yeah, cool. I have to think. 90s on. Because 80s before it gets rough. And Cole just choose to be there. Um, so I can't, can't let Cole do this to me. Uh, 90s on. 90s that's on. If you had to just pick four. I mean, Metallica. You're going 90s on Metallica? Yeah. I mean, I like some 80s Metallica stuff. I have to really Like, if you think. really had to take away their 80s catalog, if I just had to go 90s on Metallica? It, man, it gets hard. It's not going to think about the eras. Like, what was I listening to? Because I listened to things in the 90s that are not in the in 90s. In the 90s. The 80s. Yeah, that's, that's always Yeah, y'all go first. Let me think about this. So this is Mount Rushmore 90s or just Mount Rushmore in general? 90s on. Can't do 90s that. That's on. 90s on. 30, 30, that's 30 years. goddamn years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 90s y'all on. Y'all go ahead. Y'all uh, do you want to go first, Kel? Do you, it go. seems like you got you got it on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, might as well. I'll go first. Blink-182. Blink-182 is number one. Number one. Yeah, and without shame. I'm like, seen them like five times. I'm the biggest Blink-182. So, Blink-182, one. Green Day, two. Then we start, ah, uh, man. I really, I would have to go... Linkin Park, because I just binge like, like Linkin Park. Really? Was, yo, I loved Linkin Park. Meteora is, I'm talking about classic album. Like, there's not a skip on it. Like, Meteora is incredible. And then, 
I would go 90s on. It's hard not to put Foo Fighters as my four. Ooh. So I think I mean, Foo Fighters would Jesus be Jesus Christ. And 90s, I'm not count- 90s is Nirvana. Nirvana. I say, like, what are we there. doing? Because Nirvana is like 91. And I'm, you know, I'm skipping over like a lot everything. of the grunge bands, right? Like Pearl Jam. Like, What about Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Red Hot Chili Peppers were really dope. They're, they're, they're in the convo. Flea was my dude. This is, this is too Um, much. Yeah. I, I really like Foo Fighters. Like Nirvana. Again, I'm, I always put Biggie in my top four. So, like, I know Nirvana is, like, incredible in their impact. But, again, the, the catalog is so small. Like, I love Foo Fighters for, like, 15 years of content, you know, now, right? Like, Grohl has provided so much more. So, I'll probably go Foo Fighters over Nirvana just because of the amount of catalog. But in a vacuum, Nirvana's, like, their impact was crazy. But, yeah, and, I mean, I'm not putting Rage in there. I'm not putting, I mean, the Gorillas. Might have made like my top. Like I love the gorillas, but it's still like this is not over the Foo Fighters. <laughs> this is and I really is, like Linkin Park. This is too. Hard. So that was that's my four. Uh boy. Oh, from nineties on. Yeah, and oh, and I was, yeah, not a hot take, but I oh. can't stand the Smashing Pumpkins. FYI, never a Smashing Pumpkins. That that hurts a little bit, but can't that's stand. okay. That's all right. You're allowed <laughs> to have that opinion. Can't stand. That's all right. All right. Probably yeah. Okay, so for me. Uh, and, and in no particular order and, and for personal taste, Allison Chains mm. is on there. There's probably is like the, the grunge acts go. That's probably my favorite one. Um, when I was growing up and like in high school, I listened to a ton of the white stripes. It's like Jack White. I was about to, the white stripes were incredible. Jack, Jack White was like my guy during that whole period. I was like, oh, I can play guitar too because he's just playing all this simple stuff and Meg's yeah. just banging on the drums and it was awesome. And then you get Seven Nation Army and like that took on a life of its own. Um, Queens of the Stone Age is one of my all-time favorite bands. Like if we were to do this Mount Rushmore of all-time favorite bands, you can include the Beatles. Queens of the Stone Age would be on there. Um, boy. We got one more. Boy. One more. It always gets tough like, when you get down to like, like Kratos there, boy. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Based on how much I listened to them growing up and like all, all their albums. But then like, I also, like, like you said, like there's a, there's a good argument for Foo Fighters as well. Obviously Nirvana started the whole Dave Grohl train. I feel like you just put Dave Grohl's face on the Mount Rushmore or yeah. like the sign <laughs> at least to be like, this is the gateway into this. Yeah. But that's for personal. That's not necessarily like, these are the best bands of no, all time. Yep. But that's my personal Mount, Rush- Mount Rushmore. All right. So for me, my personal number one is Radiohead. Okay. Uh, okay, Computer. Yeah. I mean, Radiohead is just... That album release that they had, that was like... They had one of the best album rollouts ever. Because um, they, they had a great... In, ra- in Rainbows? In Rainbows. The- in Rainbows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Radiohead, I mean, to me, Radiohead was the one band that you can find songs and play for people who are just against rock music or alt rock and they'd be like that's incredible yep. and in the especially when you talk about the 90s creep come on man like yeah their their radiohead is is my number one after that i i have a hard time but i was sitting there looking and i'm like man do it Soundgarden was great. Pearl Jam. And it, I might put Pearl Jam on my list. Like I said, I think Jeremy's one of the best songs 
one of the most phenomenal yeah. songs and videos I've ever seen, especially growing up as a kid. It like changed everything for me. I'd never seen a, a video like that or heard a song like that. And Vetter's vocals, the passion yeah. behind those vocals, unbelievable. Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine. My top two. Okay. Yeah, Rage is just... Just the political aspect of Rage, and then it just... See, Rage didn't mix. Rage is incredible. <laughs> incredible. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably going to have to go with the Chili Peppers. Rage has to be in there. Yeah. I, I have to go with the Chili Peppers because 90s was Give It Away, and 90s was Flea was really in prominence. And, yeah, the Chili Peppers... Californication was... I mean, dude, like, Californication was, again, one of those songs that you could play for people who don't like rock music, and it's like, I know this song. Yeah, whole album was really good. The whole album was incredible. Do I put Guns N' Roses on this list? Not for the 90s. I'm trying to think, because what year was November Rain? 80s. I, I think it? it's early 90s. Oh, God. No, dog, the first time I heard November Rain... I mean, incredible. I was like, holy shit. What is this? Yeah. I'm going to put... Or Nine or nine Inch Nails. Oh, my God. Oh, Nine Inch Nails was huge. I'm going wow. to put Guns N' Roses on my list. Wow. Damn, so do I leave Nirvana off? Even though they, they completely reshape... You got to leave Because it just the body of work isn't there. That's... That's the toughest part about like rock mm. music because mm. rock bands, mm. we legit have rock bands for 40, 50 years yeah, sometimes. They, they tour as corpses. Yeah, like for 50 years. Ozzy Osbourne can't walk from me to Cole right now. He remembers every lyric. Yeah. Every yeah. single, like Ozzy's incredible. Yeah. All right. And that's can do rock music forever. So yeah, no, that's, man. So I love talking rock. We never really get to talk rock. It's always hip hop. Damn, so this sound, was dope. me leaving Soundgarden. Like, man, <laughs> Nine Inch Nails. That's, yo. I didn't even think about Nine Inch Nails. I might listen to Nine Inch Nails on the way home. Yo, Look at the car. The thing, about, the thing about Nine Inch Nails, another group that was just like, it doesn't sound like anything else. Like, when Nine Inch Nails first came out, I was just like, damn, what is this? And it's, that's why I said, when you said 90s, the present, I was like, well, I'm probably going to be stuck in the 90s here because everything that started in the 90s was, was great to me. Everything that came out of it was kind of derivative from the 90s, but yeah. from 90 to 2000, those bands were just on fire. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm obviously, like, a 2000s, like, I grew up in the 2000s, so, like, I'm a punk rock kid at heart, like, um, all that good stuff. But, I mean, Green Day is incredible, right? They're, you don't get Blink-182 or any of these bands without... Green Day first. You at that level, you don't you don't get Aquabats. You don't get any of these these bands I listened to in high school without Green Day. You don't get them without you know Nirvana. You don't yeah I don't you don't get Lincoln Park without Rage like stuff like that. Like Rage Against Machine was like yo this is rock, but the way that he's flowing is like like this guy could rap like if he wanted to rap he could rap like it's. It's a hop, skip, and a jump to go from the Roots band to Rage Against the Machine. Like, you just look at it and be like, yo, their skills are crazy. You don't get Lincoln Park without Rage. Like, no, you don't no. get any of this. So, another, another one I left off, who has probably one of my favorite songs of all time, is Goo Goo Dolls. Iris is incredible. Iris is good. I, I, Iris you really is not, got into Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, like, I, Iris, to me, is like one of those songs that's just perfect. Goo Goo Dolls. They, my daughter likes Iris. <laughs> It's like timeless. Yeah, it's just, it's a timeless, it's kind of like the cranberries and zombie. Like, yeah, just 
absolutely timeless songs. And Goo Goo Dolls, they're one of the top bands in the 90s, flat out. But I have to mention them because I just, I love Iris. I'm probably going to listen to Iris during the break. <laughs> nah, man, I love it. I love the conversation. Let's hit our break because when we come back, we have to preview UFC 270, getting that mindset in Ganu versus Gan. We're going to give our full predictions. We're going to talk about Francis's future. It's the last fight on his UFC contract. So we'll predict where he's going. You guys don't go anywhere, though. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, it is time to talk UFC 270 happening this weekend from Anaheim, California. Main event, Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Ghosn. Before we get into that, Dre, this whole buildup, for better or worse, has been about Francis Ngannou wanting to take a boxing match. Specifically, him versus Tyson Fury. That only works if Ngannou is still the champion. Yeah, it, it only works if Ngannou is still the champion, but it, it doesn't work at all. I hate even the idea of it. Why you? Because he's the heavyweight champion of the world. Who gives a shit? It's for the title of baddest man on the planet. Who cares? MMA versus boxing. Dog, Francis Ngannou can't whoop Deontay Wilder. So why, why would we even entertain a fight with the WBC champion Tyson Fury? He can't. Francis Ngannou gets dragged by Alexander Usyk. He gets knocked out by Anthony Joshua. Why is this even a conversation? Because it's a spectacle. Not to sound too much like Vince McMahon. Guess what? Francis Ngannou has zero title defenses in the UFC. This, this will be his first. Why does he think he should be allowed to box? I don't, I don't understand this. this. This whole mentality of like, yo, I'm because he's a great knockout artist. Don't get me wrong. Very heavy-handed. But he's lost twice. Yep. He lost to Steve Miocic. He lost to Derek Lewis in one of the worst fights I've ever seen in my entire life. Correct. And... We'll talk about this fight, but I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why we should let you... Like, the money thing, I understand, right? But boxing? No, who are you? Because he sees a big paycheck. Yeah, but you work for Dana White. Dana going to take half. It ain't happening. It's not happening. Well, this is the last fight on his contract. He doesn't technically need to resign right away. But... Even if he doesn't resign, he'll be stripped of that title. If he were to take that UFC heavyweight title and not have a contract, I guarantee you'll be stripped. There's no Dana's not stupid. Dana's not gonna let his heavyweight champion without a contract go in there and get his ass whooped by Tyson Fury. Are you saying like Montreal Scrooge? Like he's gonna no, no, he'll just get he's stripped. He's not taking the belt to WCW. No, he'll just get stripped. If he's out of contract, he's getting stripped. That's that's it. He's getting he won't be the champion. There's no way that Dana White will say the UFC heavyweight champion. Is going to get because he's going to get his ass whooped. Yeah, there's well, I mean, no at question. that case. You just be like, "Yo, listen, I am the rightful UFC champion. That's all you need." By like name, no one beat me That's for cool. this belt. That's but guess what? And you could bill it however you want to do bill whatever it in the you want. Game. But I guarantee you, 
Tyson Fury will beat the brakes off at Francis Ngannou, and then Francis will come back to the UFC, and Dana was like, I'm good. You're damaged goods now. I'm cool. What I need you for? Yeah. You've ruined everything. I don't want you. And then take, take the $30 million or whatever you got and live off of that. You don't need my little money, which is fair. Very fair. But there's no way Dana's going to let him do a contract where he's like, I can box too. One, that's stupid. Two, it interferes with the schedule of your fights. Because if you want to go box, that means you can't defend the heavyweight championship. Why would I sign a contract to let you do that? John Jones just sitting, waiting. Yeah, well, it, as we've seen, John Jones is more valuable than Francis Ngannou. Yes. And John not, Jones, that's not to say John Jones is valuable. But, but he's more valuable than Francis Ngannou. Correct. And you see what they've done to John. John ain't fighting. No, they'll let John sit. John is on the bench. You think Francis Ngannou has any leverage? But guess what? We can talk about the fight. Francis Ngannou is going to lose this fight. What? Well, that's... We just skip into the main event. I don't event. care. Let's, this is the only fight that really matters. This is the co-main. The rest of the card is whatever. Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gan, former sparring partners. Francis Ngannou knocked out Steve Miocic. Yep. Right? But he lost him the first time. Has he gotten better? Probably. He hasn't been in the case for a while. I think people are completely underestimating Cyril Gan going in this fight. Plus, they sparred together. sparring footage out there where Gan has put Ngannou down with a knee. Gan has got more ways to win. He's a, he's a scary striker, and he's sparred with him. He knows what Francis Ngannou has in terms of power. Now, here's the other part. You don't swing full, full throttle. On but here's the other part. If Cyril Ngannou gets out of the second round, fight's over. Ngannou's done. Yeah, that's all. And Ngannou's, ne Ngannou's never won a decision in his UFC career, his MMA career. Never won a decision. Doesn't go th and when he goes to a decision, he loses. Lost, got, well, he's lost three fights. One of their early fights was a decision. It was like his third fight. But Miocic dominated him. Ngannou was completely gassed on the ground. That's all you have to do is put him down. Cyril Gain. Cyril Gain is not taking him. You sure about that? Relatively positive. I'm not. Here's why. Ngannou gets tired. Cyril Gain is, is, is great across the board. He just drags Ngannou down. Ngannou is... The other problem is you look at Francis Ngannou and I think Anthony Joshua, right? Two guys that are very muscular builds. You need oxygen for those muscles. If you're busy chasing around a guy who's not giving you anything, which I fully expect Cyril Gan not to give him anything, he's going to be sucking wind by the third round. Gan will take him down. Or he'll very hit him. similar to Wilder Fury, where Wilder just gasses by the fifth. And but, just like, but, like, Wilder is, like, wiry and big. I'm talking about Anthony Joshua big. That's how big Ngannou is. Ngannou doesn't kick. He only throws punches. Granted, they're very heavy-handed. But think about this. The guys that he's knocked out hurt his blades, right? Yeah. He had no chance. He's a really good wrestler. It, it didn't matter because you have to get close enough. And once Blades got knocked out the first time, it was in the back of his head for the second yeah. fight. So he's going to get hit again. Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos. These are guys that are, they get knocked out. Uh, Jazirio, uh Rosenstruck, who came in trying to, to just throw hands with him. That was dumb. So got his far more technical. Here, here's a fun fact. Cyril Gunn has never lost a fight. He's never been taken down. He's only lost one round in his MMA career. One round by one judge. Every other, every other fight has been a wide unanimous decision or stoppage. Technically, the man is a wizard. This ain't a technical fight. Yes, it is. If Cyril Gunn makes this technical and doesn't... Look, dude, 
when Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou fought, the reason why Miocic got knocked out is because he was stupid. He got hurt, and he rushed in and got caught. Well, you're not stupid because he got hurt. First and foremost, Miocic didn't, came the hurt. Miocic didn't he was wrestle. Concussed, Mio- not stupid. Miocic didn't wrestle against Ngannou. Miocic is not like the greatest striker in MMA history. Don's not going to wrestle. No, he does, but he has more ways to win. Far more ways to win. I usually love that argument, except for the one way being Ngannou's power. What's the one thing you say about every fighter who looks great, who's undefeated? What's the one question you always have? They haven't got hit in the face. Yes. I have not seen Cyril Gaon get hit. He got hit in the the face against Rosenstruck, and he dominated that fight. Rosenstruck is a very good striker. He got hit in the face against Rosenstruck. He beat the shit out of Derek Lewis. Yeah, he did it. I mean, he beat the brakes off of Derek Lewis. Lewis was gun-shy. Couldn't figure out, like, when to That's, throw this, this is my point. Gun-shy because Gan gives you nothing. He's not going to give Francis what he wants. Francis is very good when he gets what he wants. He's fighting a guy. Like, I'm not saying that it's impossible for Francis to win. Francis lands a bomb, it's over. Yeah. But when you sparred with a guy and you, ha- and you know that you have the upper hand in sparring, trust me, that plays a role. Not to mention, Francis hasn't fought in a while. Also, Francis, I mean, as heavy-handed as he is, he's very much like Deontay Wilder in the sense that he throws like two punches at a time. He does. And if you're a very technical striker who throws punches and kicks, punches from range, sets things up, if you keep him off balance and have him throwing that wind for a while, at a certain point, Ngannou's just going to be tired. I think Gan wins this fight. I don't know if he stops him. He could. In a, in a strange universe, I see... And Gano just being totally gassed in the fourth round. Gano catches him with something and chokes him out. Gone by submission. Run that. <laughs> I think the odds are like, it's, like a, it's like a plus like 1,600, right? What? Because Gano's never been submitted. But nobody's really even tried because you haven't really gotten close enough. If Gone lasts more than seven and a half minutes, he's winning this fight. It's a dangerous seven and a half. So you have Cyril Gone winning by decision. It's going 25. I'm, I'm picking decision because Ngannou's still tough as hell. Sub is a sneaky bet. Sub is very sneaky. I mean, he could be stopped too. I just, I don't like Ngannou's demeanor. He's smelling himself this fight. Yeah, this I don't like, like any of this. He's in Jackass the movie. He seems to be doing a lot of stuff that is not fight related. No, it's like you are talking about boxing. You need to focus on the man that's in front of you because the winner of this fight, I'm putting it out there, breaks Stipe Miocic's record for title defense. Hands down. They're the two best heavyweights by like a mile. No, you're wrong. The winner of this fight loses to John Jones. No. The winner of this fight beats John Jones. There is no way Cyril, Cyril Gon, understand, has lost one round, whatever. He goes, if he wins this technical masterpiece, he does not out chess match John Jones. Okay. Okay. John's, John will wrestle the hell out of him. You think so? Yep. Okay. I think John Jones is the best fighter ever. Okay. Cyril Gaon is really good. Okay. Uh, we're talking about a heavy... Look, look. John ain't fought in goddamn three years. I don't care. I do. Because the other, the other problem is, John ain't been punched in the mouth. The other problem is, I don't know if John's fighting. I don't know if John's So... <laughs> and that so, record's not very, like, far. It's three. It's three, three fights. <laughs> so if, if Nganu wins, right? Yeah. If Nganu were to win this fight, Steve Bimio's still hanging around. I think Nganu's in his head. He can beat him again. And then you find somebody else, probably a rematch with Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. Because right? Derek Lewis. That's three know. title fences. Yeah. Easy. Cyril Gaon wins. I think he beats Steve Miocic. He's already beat Derek Lewis. Who else is there in the heavyweight division? Nobody. John Jones ain't waiting. 
three fights. He waited this long. Yeah, as I mean, long the man as, gonna be thirty-seven. He's gonna long, be Cormier. As long as Ngannou is still champion, John's going to ask for a lot of money, and Dana's not gonna give it to him. He'd rather wait him out until he needs it, and then plus, you know, like with John coming back, you don't know, like fool, you might get arrested again. You are a risk. That is, that is always the case. But in terms, in terms of, of fighting, <laughs> that I cannot guarantee. John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist I've ever seen. Yep. Right. But let's, if we be really honest with ourselves, he hasn't looked great in his last few fights. He hasn't. But he hasn't lost. No, like, he, he hasn't been in in trouble of losing. It's just been competitive. Well, he was in trouble of losing his Dominic Reyes. Okay. A lot of people picked him and had him losing that fight. Tiago Santos, that fight shouldn't have went as long as it did. No. And it did. Cyril Gaon and Francis Ngannou are not those guys. Oh, they're Francis, better than those. Guys. Francis Ngannou hits John in the chin. John's dead. I I don't care how great John is. He's dead. Yes. John needs a fight. I need to see him fight at heavyweight against somebody. Because you've been gone this long, you're just going to jump back in the cage and beat the heavyweight champion. And I'm sure that's Dana's mind, mindset as well. It's like, why would I just give you a heavyweight title shot? You need to go fight somebody. Go fight Stipe. Which is a really good fight. Amazing fight. But John wants a title fight. Yeah. He thinks he's earned it. Dana's like, I'm going to show you who's boss. All that to say, Francis Ngannou, yes. forget t- fighting Tyson Fury. He's about to lose to Cyril Gunn, and we can move on. All right. I'm taking, I guess I'd give my official prediction now that we start at the top. Um, I'm taking Ngannou by knockout. That's fair. That's, that's the only way he wins. No, that's it. He ain't winning a decision. No, he's not winning a decision. He's not. There's nothing else that Francis Ngannou can do to beat Cyril Gunn. No, but I, I have losing this fight. And then I'm not surprised if Cyril Gunn takes from the distance. Deep water yeah. just makes it look real ugly. Like you were disrespecting me by talking about boxing. Worry about me. Disrespected the man to his face. Look right by him in the hallway. Yeah, I've only lost one round on one judge's scorecard. Yeah. Francis feels real confident. Is it hubris? We'll see. Um, co-main event. Brandon Marino versus Davidson. Figueredo. This will end up being fight of the night. Yeah, why am I seeing this again, though? Because there's no one else in this division? Basically. <laughs> They're just I mean, like, yo, the last time was as clean of a loss as you can get. Yeah. There's no reason to run it back. There is, because Figueroa's probably going to win. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> That's why they're running it back. But for Moreno, it's shitty, because it's like, yo, we draw. Yeah. Right. And then we come back, and I, I stop him. I should be done with this. Yeah. No, now figure out there's no weight issues. He looks amazing. The cut was better. Got a nutritionist. I think he's gonna win too. Yeah. Poor Brandon Moreno. I know it sucks. Brandon Moreno's so happy he got that title. He is. It's such, you know, making Legos and shit. Yeah. Now Davidson Figueroa is gonna stomp all over his Legos to take his title back. All back. I think, I mean, this will be, I think it'll be fight of the night because the scrambles are gonna be insane in this fight. The grappling is gonna be absolutely nuts. Their first fight was bonkers. The yep. second fight, you know, Moreno just got the better of him. Figure out he. I don't know if he's making weight yet. He looks great. Looks I'll right. see when he gets on that damn scale. That'll yeah. tell me everything I need to know. If he makes weight, I'm picking Davidson. If he makes weight easily, if he's like the first one on the scale at the weigh-in, I'm picking Davidson for sure. Ray Mundy spoke to his camp like yesterday or earlier in the week on Monday. He was eight pounds away from limit on Monday. I mean, it's like all right. they weren't too worried. about. As long as, if, as long as he makes weight and comes in comfortably, I'm picking Davidson. I think he's, he's the guy. And he, he, Probably stops Moreno too this time around. I think so. Five I think round fight, stops him. Five round fight. We have a lot of scrambles. Moreno gets probably caught up in a scramble, comes up. Figueroa's hands are heavy. Yeah. 
I, I think agree. If Davis is going to finish him, it'll probably be in the first two rounds, though. I think Davis does gas a little bit. Uh, he put away Benavidez. Like, he's got heavy hands, but I think he's got 10 minutes to do the job unless, or else they're going to the decision. Or Moreno subs him late. <laughs> but I'm picking Davison. If I don't think that strikes twice. Good. Good. And Brandon Moreno could just be way better than I thought. I mean, Brandon Moreno's really good. It's just, these two are meant to have hellacious fights. Stig Figueredo is just really good. Yeah, he still can't wrap my rap, my mind around him getting stopped last time. I, it was crazy, but you know, Man Nunez got stopped, so shit. Yeah, and if they run that back, I'm clearly picking her again, so it doesn't matter. Um, other fights on this main card, we have this card kind of sucks. Yeah, Michael Pieria, which is that's a fun fight. He's always fun. To watch. Always fun. He's gonna do like some spinning cartwheel craziness. Yeah. Um, against yo. I don't even know he's fighting. Andre Fialio? Yeah. I, I don't know. The UFC has done a um, poor job promoting, I don't know who that is. promoting this fight. I haven't seen much of anything about UFC 270. No. And I think it's, you know, Dana's just like, well, they're, they're going to buy it. I'm not promoting Francis Ngannou because the more buys he gets, the more leverage he thinks he has. It'd be like some skillful chess match here <laughs> between these two guys. I don't know. I don't know. I don't love how this, this was built up for, as a pay-per-view. I don't love that it's the first pay-per-view with a price hike. Yeah, 75. I mean, it's a better buy than... Oh, Lord. Keith Thurman and Keith Mario Thurman Barrios. And Mario Barrios at 75. Of, what kind of criminal activity is this? That you make a... <laughs> Keith Thurman... Like, that That fight will be, hardly be watched on free television. Much less asking people to pay $75? 80 pay-per-view. That's why we're on 80. What do we... You know, I, I have to ask, what are we doing? Because, like, this, this card, it's like, diehards are going to buy it. Because UFC, at least you know you're going to get entertained up and down the card at some point. It's not going to be a shitty card. The main event's great. Co-main event's great. Fine. It is what it is. But Thurman Barrios? I don't even know who's on the undercard of that show. Yuck. I don't even know either. Then we have... Well, so I'm taking... Yeah, I'm taking Michael Pereira to win. Because he does craziness. I like to see him win. Um, Cody Stamen versus Undermaga Medov. That's a good fight. I mean, there's good I'm fights. I'm picking on the- anyone with the last name Nurmagomedov. Yeah, well, you know that. Yeah, that's until I see otherwise, I'm picking them. I just and I like Cody. As good as this, this card just could be so much better. But it's it, it'll be interesting to see how well this does, right? I, I'm very curious at how many are casuals tuning in. If it bombs, Dana White's just gonna say flat out, like, "Yo, if this bombs, like, you why would I let you box? You can't even draw." Tyson Fury's is drawing that fight. Oh yeah. And for Fury, that's just like, yo, let me just stay busy and collect a check while I see what happens with this heavyweight title. And, and that's the other thing. Like, what does the WBC do? Oh, it'd have to be an exhibition. And then WBC can't do anything. Dillian White's the mandatory. Because what's for Francis going to say? Francis is going to say, I want to fight for the WBC title. And the WBC is going to be like, uh, sure. No, they're like, who is this guy? No, it's an exhibition. They'll, they'll do like funny rules and just let Fury have some fun. Until it's time to put together an undisputed fight. So, no, yeah, that's that's a card. I mean, UFC 271, probably a little um, better top to bottom, but we shall see. We should, we might be surprised. This might be one of those cards where everything's a finish. I mean, it happens. UFC pay-per-views, like, you you look at the card and you're like, this sucks. And it ends up being a really good show, right? But that's not what drives pay-per-view buys. No. I'm already in at that point. (laughs) And I'm like, ah, I already paid my money. I got a good show. What you want to do is you want to bring fans in. I don't think this has been promoted as that. And Francis Ngannou running around talking about boxing contracts. 
I don't want to hear it. Yeah. You got Cyril gone. You have your, the guy. You have your fucking hands full. Yeah. Good luck. It's going to be his toughest test by, by far for Fred. I think so. And he fought Stipe. That's what I'm saying. I just, but this I, is a whole different puzzle. I look at Cyril Gunn. I'm like, yo, this might be the most complete fighter in the heavyweight division. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, let's hit our break. When we come back to wrap up the show, we're going to be joined by UFC's Kay Hansen. I'm so used to saying UFC vet, but this is the first time we don't have a UFC vet. She is one of the young guns in the UFC, amazingly talented. We're going to talk to her about her upcoming fight at UFC 270, how she got into MMA, and being one of the youngest fighters in the world's biggest promotion. So don't go anywhere. We're wrapping up the show with Kay Hansen right after this. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, everyone. As promised, we are wrapping up the show talking so one of the UFC's youngest and brightest, it's Kay Hansen fighting on UFC 270, one of the youngest fighters on the UFC roster in general. Kay, thank you for joining us today during fight week, which we always know is not the easiest time to be sitting down and doing interviews. Oh, oh thank you for having me. I'm excited. No, we're excited for your fight this weekend. But before we get into that and your opponent and how you're preparing, you're only 22 years old. And in the UFC, yeah. like, do you wake up sometimes and pinch yourself and be like, I don't know how I got here this fast? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it is kind of crazy, like, when I actually, like, sit back and think about it. But for the most part, uh, I don't know, I was kind of, I've been pretty mature and pretty grown up since I was, like, a kid. You know what I mean? Like, a young teenager. Um, I started training when I was 16. Um, and, like, I was training two or three times a day at 16. Um, so, for me, it's just kind of like, I feel like every day I'm so used to it by now, it doesn't it doesn't really register, honestly. I mean, okay, yeah, we always have to ask about the roots. Like, being 16 and saying, hey, I want to train. And, like, was yeah. the UFC on your bucket list? Was that, like, this is what I want to do? And how did your parents react to you deciding to train in mixed martial arts? Um, well, so I played softball competitively from, like, 9 to 16. Um, I was even planning on going to college for softball. Like I had a whole career planned out. Um, and then I saw Rhonda fight Betch Cohea and like literally a month later, I'm, like three, four times a day, I had dropped out of high school. I was like an AP honor trying to go to Ivy League type student. And I literally a month was training full time with the fight team at the gym. I was at, uh, then, uh, dropped out of high school, like all my eggs in one basket. Um, funny enough, I actually hated the UFC growing up. Um, like when I was like six or seven, you know, we always used to go to watch parties like Chuck Liddell, Tito, uh, GSP era kind of. And I remember just hating. I always just thought it was so stupid. I hated going. I hated being there. I hated how loud it was. And I was always like, this doesn't make sense. And then lo and behold, you know, like seven, eight, nine years later, I'm my dropping everything in my life, life career. So. So, I mean, you don't see that every day where someone drops out of high school and is like, you no. know what? I'm going to yeah. be a fighter, but. I mean, wait, wait, wait! Yeah. You didn't you didn't say what your parents thought of this because this 
this as, as a parent, like, you know, I got a four-year-old, five-year-old. Yeah. And if my daughter came to me and was like, hey, dad, I don't want to do this Ivy League thing. I'm going to get punched in the face for a living. I'd be mortified. <laughs> but then, you know, at the yeah. same time, if, if you know your, your child, you kind of let them do what they do. What yeah. did your parents think? Well, uh, my parents were going through a split at the time. So I feel like I could kind of get away with what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, it was a pretty rough split. Uh, so for me, I was just like, pretty much just did it and didn't really care. Um, my mom wasn't the happiest, but, um, you know what I mean? It, it is what it is. Uh, I think at that point, everyone was just kind of like, um, I've always been really ambitious. So when I set out to do something, I do it, you know what I mean? And I've, I was a really good kid and like, never was a troublemaker, always was like a goody two shoes. So I think it definitely surprised everyone in my family but at the same time they were like okay well if she's dropping everything to do this like you know what i mean like it seems like she knows what she's doing or what she wants to go after so um i don't know i just kind of just did it i didn't really ask even permission <laughs> i just kind of like stopped going started going to practice um i'm not advising any kids to do that by the way if any kids <laughs> hear this don't want to it. Uh, i have to always say that because the last thing i want is a kid to be like f school like i'm gonna do this so um but yeah, I didn't get any really backlash from my family. Everyone's pretty much supportive of it. Well, I mean, it seems like you do that at 16 and then yeah. you're training three times a day. You make your Invicta debut at 18 and yeah. win the youngest fighter ever in Invicta history to win mm -hmm. a bout. What is that like when you go in there? You're fighting grown women. You're 18 years yeah. old. Like, what was it like yeah, to take that fight and then to win? It's funny when I look back because I was literally like 18 years old fighting like 30 something year olds like um so it's kind of crazy when i look back but like i don't know i'm i was just super determined you know what i mean from the time i was 16 like like school and softball were like my life like i had worked forever for that and i literally dropped it so quick and i everyone always asked me like what was it about fighting and i honestly don't know it was just like this like the calling it's gonna sound really cheesy but it was literally just like a calling that i had to listen to you know what i mean me um I've, ever since I was 16, I've literally just, like, put my head down and worked. And then, like, I blink, and now I'm 22 in the UFC, and it doesn't make sense to my brain. Um, but, um, I mean, it was crazy. Like, I loved Invicta. I still love Invicta. Um, they're so professional, and they treat their athletes so professional. Um, and, like, to be able to experience that, like, two years into my training, pretty much, or four years into my training, pretty much, it's kind of like kind of crazy my math was like way off on all that i don't even it's fight week so excuse my it's all right my we're not mathematicians but, here uh, very <laughs> sounds, short amount of time and right. it kind of shocked me so um uh but it was really cool it was awesome uh i, I gotta ask because i always i like to ask fighters this do you remember the first time you ever knocked yeah. somebody out whether it was a, a sanctioned fight or in real life do you remember what that feeling was like um well i've never like knocked someone out cold um, I've TKO'd people, um, before like ground and pound and stuff, but I've never knocked someone out. Um, but I mean, just the feeling of doing that or pulling off the submission or anything, it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like fighting in itself is kind of like an out of body experience. Like, I feel like when I'm walking out, like I, maybe it's the adrenaline, all the nerves, like, um, you, know, you, you have a whole camp that leads up to it. So it's like, it's a lot of pressure and I put a lot of pressure on myself too. Um, so for me, it's just kind of like, I never really get to enjoy the moment until like a few days after, you know what I mean? Like when all the adrenaline has stopped and I'm like, oh shit, like I just did that. Um, so I wish I could like tell you what it feels like in the moment. But for me, it's like, there's so much going on that like, of course I'm excited that I win, you know what I mean? But like, 
as far as like genuine like feelings, I feel like it takes me a few days to like kind of decompress and be like, like I remember after my debut, like a few days after I was like, oh, she's made my UFC debut and got a performance bonus off like a pretty cool submission. Like, but in the moment, like I didn't process it. You know what I mean? It was just like everything was going on like so fast. So um, I, I usually have to wait a little bit to actually realize what I just did. <laughs> what did you do with your first performance bonus? Um, I submitted Jinyu Fry. So yeah. I went for like this pretty cool like little takedown and then like I made a roll over and I ended up getting like a triangle armbar scenario. Um, but the reason it was cool is because like I don't even know. I've never done it before. It was the first time I did it. And now I do it all the time because whatever. But it was like kind of like instinctual. You know what I mean? Um, but it was a pretty cool little spell. It was on the, um, the Dustin Poirier Dan Hooker card. Yep. Um, I remember watching it was, that. It was a pretty cool experience. Well, yeah. My, my question was, I saw the submission, but I'm talking about what you do with the money. That first performance bonus is oh, not something you're expecting. Money. Yeah, you don't expect that oh, money, then you I get it. it. Yeah, I put it in the same. I'm really good about, like, saving my money and being smart about my money. Um, growing up, like, my family struggled financially, so, like, like, it's like an older teenager. So, for me, I've always been very smart. Like, I'm very minimalist with everything. Um, I did, like, move out when I got my own apartment. Um it was cool to be able to like do that you know what i mean i i have one fight in the ufc and i win a performance bonus and i walk away with 80 something thousand dollars and a lot of it goes in the savings and then i can like as i'm making money throughout every month i'm keeping money in the savings while paying my rent you know so it kind of allowed me to like kind of like finally be completely on my own you know what i mean as far as like financially being set for myself um so that's what i did with that i just i kept in the savings and then i kept it i, I did buy myself a car too but i bought myself like an 11 dollar like used car um just like up front and then after that i just put everything else in the savings no car payments a financially no. responsible i, I hate i hate <laughs> bills i don't know what it is like if it's like a reoccurring bill i hate it like i would rather just pay it all up front and see all my money gone out of my account right away than have to remember to pay a bill every month i'm like super forgetful <laughs> Well, you're self-aware. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, and then now, you know, it seems like yesterday it was your UFC debut, I'm sure. But now you're yeah. two years removed from that. So now you've been yeah. in the UFC. Um, you know, you've had your first defeat in the UFC. You've had success in the UFC. Yeah. Now, do you feel like you're getting comfortable? Do you feel like this fight, you bring all that experience in? Has anything changed now you prepare from this fight? Because now you have a couple fights in the UFC under your belt. Um, I mean, honestly, um, before the UFC, I had like 10 pro fights already. Um, and like, I have a long career ahead of me. So for me, I felt like I already had some experience coming in. You know what I mean? Obviously, having the two fights as UFC experience is cool. But it was also like at the apex. So it was way more low key. You know what I mean? It's like the smallest like crowd I've ever fought of, you know, in front of. Um, so this time is going to be like my first time like in an arena because all my fights have been like COVID fights with UFC. Um, so for me, it's almost like this is a debut in a sense, you know what I mean? At least experience wise. Um, like I have the experience in the cage, but like experience like with the crowd and the walkout and everything, it's finally going to be like what you dream of. You know what I mean? When you get to the UFC, you dream of walking out to a sold out stadium. Um, you know what I mean? Like, especially now that it's in my hometown too, it's like everything's coming together. But for me, um, experience-wise, I definitely I feel like um, like I'm good in that department. Um, as far as preparation, things were a lot different this time around. Um, I had to take the last year off. I've talked a little bit about it, but 
I had a really bad eating disorder for a few years. And then preparing for, I had a fight scheduled last year in March and I had to pull out of it because it was like at the peak. So I was forced to like take a year off, kind of step back, take care of my physical and mental health. And then now I'm back. So I'm healthy now. I'm fully in, like everything is perfect. So my preparation was a lot better around. Um, I feel like I'm growing up, like not only as a person, but as an athlete, you know what I mean? And everyone's kind of seeing that firsthand. So I'm excited to showcase what like a healthy K uh, can do in the octagon. What do you expect the energy to be like? Because yeah, you're fighting in front of your hometown. This is your first like UFC yeah. pay-per-view with fans in attendance. And I believe yeah. as the fight card order is set right now that we've seen, you're opening up the show on the prelims, I believe. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, they had me as the featured prelim, like right before the main card. And now they have me opening up. But they also said that it could do a complete 360 again. So I don't know where I'm fighting on the card as of right now. Um, but either way, like whether I'm the first fight or the last prelim, whatever it may be, I know a lot of my friends and family are going to be there. You know what I mean? So for me, it's a, it's a lot more intimate and it's a lot more personal. You know what I mean? Um, not It's not all the time that you can fight in front of your hometown crowd and all your friends and family can go watch you. You know what I mean? Um, especially since like I've been off for a year and it was like the hardest year of my life and everyone in my inner circle has seen, you know what I mean? Start from my breaking point all the way back to now. So it's going to be really personal, you know, really emotional. Um, and I'm really excited for it. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything better. I was supposed to be fighting last weekend and then I had them move it to this week and I got myself in a little bit of trouble doing that, but uh, it was for sure worth it because you know what I mean? Like this is, this is what everyone dreams of fighting in the UFC in front of your hometown crowd. You mentioned, you know, your health, your mental health going into this. Yeah. Uh, it's something we see all over combat sports, right? In sports in general. Now yeah. we have Ryan Garcia boxing and everything. How important is it that you took and you had that space to take that year off and really focus yeah. on yourself. Cause a lot of athletes, a lot of people in general, especially young people feel like they can't step back. They can't take time to themselves yeah. to get right and get yeah. mentally healthy. How big was that for you? It was huge. You know, um, like I mentioned, since I was 16, I've dove, you know, head in and I was training two, three times a day then, and I haven't stopped, you know what I mean? Until this last year, like after I pulled out, I was forced to take like a month and a half and literally do nothing. And it drove me because just like everyone, everyone has their outlet. You know what I mean? Like when they're frustrated, when they're having a bad day, some people go to the gym, some people play video games, like everyone has their thing. For me, it was training. Um, and when I was struggling in my regular life, whether it's mental health or whatever, I would push myself during training and then I'd come home and eat. And it was like a, a bad thing that like, they don't go together very well you know what i mean especially when it's like you're training like three to four times a day with no fuel you know um so for me like because especially as a young athlete like you want to prove yourself you know what i mean i started training at 16 was pro by 18 in the ufc by 20 and you want to keep that going you know and in your head you're like okay everything i've done so far has got me here so i'm doing it right but the matter of the fact is i wasn't me taking that step back, it was the hardest year of my life because like I went a year without fighting, which is my outlet. You know what I mean? I wasn't even allowed to train for a month and a half out of that. Um, so for me, it really forced me to like take a step back. And now when it comes to training, it's more of like a passion again. You know what I mean? I feel like when you get in the loop of like, it was my therapy or every, everything in my personal life added up to that. It almost seemed like I was like punishing myself when I was training. You know what I mean, like I would just overwork and be like, you know what I mean? Make sure I was the hardest worker, but it's like, I also wasn't taking care of my body, you know? So, um, it ended up crashing. So I mean, just like I said before, like every new fight at a professional level since I was 18 with Invicta too. So I've been 
in front of the camera since I was 18. So everyone is seeing me grow up. You know what I mean? People do stupid shit at 18. You know what I mean? <laughs> but mine happened to be what I'm doing with my body um, and like an athlete wise. So everyone's kind of seeing me grow up in and out of the cage so i think it's pretty cool um but definitely taking a step back with your mental health is especially for longevity you know what i mean like if you're like want to be you know i i did like 18 to 22 like two three good years of like you know not caring and then it just crashed on me you know but i'm only 22 i want to be fighting for as long as possible so sometimes taking that step back and relearning how to take care of yourself is like it's gonna make the biggest difference for me so all that being said, you're fighting Jasmine on this card. And does it feel like the easiest part is the fight itself? That you've done all the hard work, obviously, with training, but taking the year off, it's like yeah. now you get a chance to reward yourself by whooping some ass at UFC 270. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy because, uh, you know, we train day in and day out for, for 15 minutes or less. You know what I mean? And it's a... Uh, the anticipation, like, I've always been very, like, honest when it comes to, like, nerves before a fight. Like, I'm anxious as hell all fight week. Fight day, I'm anxious. Um, but there's also good, excited emotions, you know, and they're kind of, like, always just flashing. So, for me, it's just, I'm super excited to just, like, be back and, like, be in the swing of things. You know what I mean? Um, in the last year, besides the month and a half I took off, I've been training year-round. You know what I mean? So, it's, like, it was so hard for me to train, you know what I mean, for over a year with no fights because I was, like, what am I what am I doing? You know what I mean? But giving my body and, and mind that time. So now that I'm actually finally able to like showcase the hard work I've been putting in, you know, in and out of the cage on Saturday, it's, it's super exciting. I'm super excited. I need your prediction for the fight. Then Everything's like, you know, you are the best you heading into this. How do you see it ending yeah. on Saturday? I mean, that's the beauty of, of like being the best version of myself is like, I can't tell you that. I don't know. Like for me, like, uh, most of my fights obviously end in like a submission or on the ground. But, uh, for the last year, like my, my last fight was my first fight with my current camp, um, that I'm in now. And I was only with them for a few months before that. But since then, a year to work with them, you know what I mean? My coaches are perfect. They're handpicked. Everything's amazing. Um, so like, I, I can tell you that. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not picky. Um, and, you know, she's, some people have, uh, like one specialty and some people like are well-rounded she's pretty well-rounded. So, um, so am I, so, you know, I don't know, maybe she'll go in for a takedown. Maybe I will, maybe neither of us will, and we'll just have a stand-up fight. I don't know. Um, but I'm excited for, for everything that, that has to offer. Uh, my last question for you. I mean, this is a, a, a card with two title fights. It's got some pretty interesting fights. Yeah. Are you sticking around and watching the rest of the fights or when, are you done and you just like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. You know, Honestly, I'll probably dip, um, which sucks. Like, it's in my hometown, and I'd love to stick around and watch it. But I just know how I am post-fight. And, like, like, after such, like, a intense camp and week and fight, I usually just want to be done with it. You know what I mean? So I'm probably going to go dip. I'm going to have grab some food with some friends and family and from that. Um, but, I mean, maybe I'll stick around. I highly doubt it. Because especially even if I'm, like, opening up the show, I don't know if I'm going to stick around for a bunch of hours before the, the two, two title fights, but we'll see. I would love to watch them live, but uh, my attention span might say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, nothing wrong with getting a W and going and enjoying a good meal after a crazy weight yeah. cut and, you know, the entire Definitely. camp. So, yeah, you you enjoy it. I'm sure you know all the best places to eat because it's your hometown. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> tell her about her yeah. uh, how she's uh, our record with our guests. Yes, so... 
Currently, we're on a five-fight winning streak with guests here on the Corner Podcast. So you are going to make it six, and we're looking forward to you getting another 50K to put in the savings account, obviously, because uh, you're so responsible. Yes. So, no, we appreciate you joining us. Um, we're good luck. So, I mean, not like you need it, though. I, we fully expect you to come out and put on a great show. We appreciate you stopping by and talking to us. And best of luck on Saturday. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. And everyone, thanks for joining us again. I mean, amazing show, top to bottom. Got to talk music. Got to have a great guest. Got to give our predictions for UFC 270. But you know what this means? You guys can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for Life on Instagram at Corner Podcast on, hold on, TikTok. I want to make sure that this is right. We have a TikTok? Yes, we have a TikTok now. Let's set that up today. Uh, Yes, we are at Corner Podcast on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Try to get, you know, where the kids are. You got to... Got to make sure that everyone can find us. It's like the new, the new thing. Yeah, whatever. So at Corner Podcast on TikTok, make sure you guys DM us on Twitter, though, if you guys want to be part of the Corner Rumble. That's going to be so fun. And, man, we can't wait. Can't wait for next Saturday to do that. In the meantime, tons of good combat sports. We'll be back this weekend recapping UFC 270. And recapping the Niners-Packers game as long as we win. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean. I hope you guys win. Look, and I hope Tampa oh, wins. Wait. No, I think we'll be recording during, during during the Tampa game. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Ooh, no, <laughs> no, because I'm going to be very sad if I walk out of here and Tampa's down like 21. Ooh. I got my, <laughs> I got my Kittle, I got my Kittle jersey on today. Jer- oh yeah. man, yeah, we'll Double see. Double your fan, it'll George be, Kittle. Yeah, it'll be Debo Samuel. I'm sure this weekend. Oh, we're to gonna give him a healthy dose of Debo because oh. if Jimmy G's. Injured, like, and Debo's going to be everywhere. Got to start the Rook? If we start the Rook. (laughs) It's it's all bad. But no, I can't can't wait. It's going to be a fun two weeks building up to this corner rumble. In the meantime, thank you, everyone at Blue Wire Studios. Everyone at Blue Wire, the network. We're here at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. It's amazing. Everyone in production. Producer Cole, baby. Thank you for putting together this corner rumble. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. At Cold Train, C O A L E. I feel like Cole is getting some followers now. Like now, when we post the show, like people will tag Cole in the tweets. And I'm just like, look at that. Cole, yeah, it's probably because Cole tries to limit my hot takes and the, the listeners appreciate that. Yes, they do. So Cole, Cole is on their side. Nope. So we're good. Man, it's, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. You guys stay safe, stay rona free. Make sure you guys take care of yourself so we can have a great watch party. But until then, we're out. Peace.